Hello and good evening. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. Uh, we gather here on Monday, Thursday. And part of this service, what we are invited to do is remember God is the one who brings freedom to those who are in bondage. And so Jesus is telling the story again of the Passover and placing himself at the center of it. Monday, as you'll see in the note in, your, in the inside of the front cover of your order, Monday comes from the Latin in which Jesus, during the Last Supper, institutes what he calls a new commandment, that you are to love one another as I have loved you. And so this evening we'll have a chance to remember that Jesus gathered his disciples, washed their feet, that they celebrated the Passover meal together, and he placed himself at the center of the story of liberation. So as part of that, we'll have an opportunity to participate in the sacrament of communion together. As we get ready for that service, I just want to make a couple other announcements, though. One is that we have a Good Friday service uh, tomorrow evening. It'll be at 6 o'clock, not 7, at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. We'll have a Good Friday service. And so I'm glad that we can gather both in person and online to remember that Christ not only institutes a meal, but he places himself at the center as the one who can meet our deepest longings and set us free from the bondage that holds us. This is the good news. As we get ready to worship, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Will you please stand with us? We'll sing our call to worship from Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord.
Let's join together in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to gather in your presence. We pause and remember you, Lord, that as we gather here from different places and different weeks and different demands, that you are the one who has gathered us together in the name of Christ. We thank you for the abundance of your grace and the significance of your call upon our lives. As we gather tonight, we do so as those who remember our Savior Jesus and his sacrifice of love for us. We remember his last meal with his closest friends and disciples. We remember his humble care of washing their feet. We remember his direction that we are to love one another as he has loved us. And Lord, we pause to remember the betrayal, Jesus, that you would suffer, that you came in humility to wash the feet of sinners and to care for those who are low, but you entered in also to our betrayal and unfaithfulness. And so we remember the pain that falls upon you. So we gather, Lord, to bear witness to you, our Savior, not our faithfulness or not our strength, not our ability to nourish or care for ourselves, but we come to you, the one who has come into our hunger to feed us, into our thirst to give us drink, to our uncleanliness to make us clean. We thank you that you went to the very depths to restore us. And so, Lord, as we gather tonight, may we grow in our faith and be renewed by your spirit, that we may learn to grow in our love for one another. Lord, send your spirit to be with us this night, strengthening us in the midst of our struggles to remind us of your faithfulness, in the midst of our doubts to speak of your truth, in the midst of our shame to remind us again of your grace. That the center of our story, the center of our hope is not us, but you, Lord, the one who holds us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Bitterness Remembered, a reading from Exodus 6, 2 through 9. God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. 
part of our time as we gather in God's presence and think of the story of liberation, we can confess our need and our sins to God. We'll do this together corporately through our responsive reading and song, and then we'll have time of personal confession as well. I invite you to join me. Lord, we know the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. We pray that in the pain of this world and our own brokenness, we may not turn our hearts away from you, our God. Merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus, you have borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You were pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon you was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with your wounds we are healed. Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Amen.
Let's take a time of silent personal confession to bring our confessions to God, but also our longings and our need. Let's pray. Lord, your word tells us that you heard the cries of the Israelites as they suffered. Reminding us, Lord, that you are the God who lifts up those who have fallen. You're the God who binds up the brokenhearted. The God who speaks comfort and grace to those who are overwhelmed. We thank you for the good news of the Passover that why Egypt seemed oh, so strong that you spoke to your people, that you would overcome. And Lord, we come as people who know that at times that our sin and our guilt and our shame seems overwhelming and so strong. But we give you thanks in Christ that your grace is greater than our sin. And so we pray, Lord, that you lift our heads, that we may walk in you. Give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me that we can hear these words of assurance from John 1. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, as Christ has welcomed us, let us turn to each other and welcome each other in the name of Christ.
The Lord's Passover Remembered, a reading from Exodus 12, verses 1 through 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, and you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Will you stand with us and we'll sing?
Christ, servant to sinners. John 13, 1 through 15, verses 31 to 35. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as, I, just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Well, as we draw near to the Lord's table, to Christ's table this evening, I just want to put this one word before us, the word bitterness. In our text, we heard that God's people were under harsh slavery in the land of Egypt to the point that their souls were broken. They could no longer resist. They felt hopeless in the midst of of Egypt's power in the midst of the hold that they were trapped in. And part of the Passover feast is to eat certain items that would remind God's people of the great rescue that he brought his people out of the land of Egypt. They would eat unleavened bread, they would eat the lamb, and they would eat bitter herbs to remind them of just how severe and harsh 
and where they came from, from a place of bitterness. And I open with that to consider this evening, what bitterness are we bringing now this evening? What bitterness lingers in our lives? How is it seeping in and grabbing a hold on us? Maybe it's just as easy as just resentment and envy. We see the goodness in someone else's life, or we see the goodness that comes from someone's spirit and their person, and we are bitter towards them because we desire that. Or maybe it's the bitter taste of loneliness. We can be surrounded by so many people in our work, and we can have marriages and friendships, and yet at the same time, we can feel the loneliness of not being seen or heard or understood. Maybe it's the bitterness that just comes with a busy life where we're just pulled in so many different directions and we don't know what to hold on to any longer and we become resentful. Or just even what we see in the world around us, the violence, what we saw in Brooklyn, what we continue to see in Eastern Europe and the Ukraine or even just the bitterness that continues to take a hold on us when we feel the guilt of our sin and the ways in which we have hurt others and the ways that we have been hurt. When Christ came, he came to deal and to enter into our bitterness. He came to free his people from the bitterness that we have found ourselves in. We too, like the Israelites, are a broken, beaten down people. We too need to be met and restored to new life. We need Christ to draw near to our bitterness that we might find wholeness again. One of the ways that God has done this historically is to actually feed his people he does it with the Passover before he frees them from the land of Egypt. He nourishes them with a meal. And before Christ frees his disciples and us from the power of sin and death, he breaks bread with them. And as we partake of this meal and we look at the bread and the wine, we are reminded of the bitterness that Christ took on, that he took on the bitterness of our sin, that he took on the weight that it holds us down, and that even the imagery of drinking the cup of God's wrath and punishment upon us, that bitterness he took upon himself as well. And it might be easy to think and wonder, maybe Jesus responds to this harshness the way that we would respond to it, with more bitterness, with more harshness. But yet, Judas, who will betray him, Peter, who will deny him, the disciples who will leave them, him, they receive his love and his kindness. He takes off his garment. He washes their feet. He gives them an example of what the, his purpose is is 
is to free us from our bitterness and our sin and to move us into love. So much so that he gives the disciples a commandment. He says to love one another. One commentator said that the command that Jesus gives to love one another to his disciples is simple enough for a young child to memorize, understand, and even appreciate. But yet it's also profound enough that for a mature adult, we can spend our whole lifetime perplexed in how to do this. We see God's love extended to us as he takes on our bitterness, as he enters into it. Our bitterness often keeps us from loving one another. It keeps us separated. It even fractures ourself and our own souls. And yet Christ's desire is to liberate us from our bitterness and to give us freedom to love. And as we draw near to this table, as we eat the bread and drink the wine, we are reminded that this table is a bitter table, that it does point to Christ's death and his humiliation and his betrayal and the bitterness of that, but it also points to the sweetness of renewed communion and fellowship with God and with one another. So as we join and gather around this table, would you join me in prayer? Gracious, merciful God, Lord, we come to you this day, our great liberator, and we ask that you would draw near to us now by your spirit, that you would use the bread and the wine, and that you would feed our weary and broken souls souls that are often consumed with the bitterness of this life and with the pungent taste of our sins. And we pray that you would draw near to those places and that you would give us the nourishment of your grace here in this very moment. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, I invite James to come up. Why do we give thanks and praise before this table? We give thanks for God's work of creation, liberation, and salvation. It is indeed right, our duty, and delight that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Holy Lord, eternal God. You created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. You made us in your own image and in the countless ways you show us your mercy. Therefore, with choirs of angels and the whole company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name, joining our voice in their unending praise.
All glory and blessing are yours, O holy God, for in your mercy you gave your only Son, Jesus Christ. He took our human nature and suffered death on the cross for our redemption, that he made a perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. We praise you that before he suffered and died, our Savior gave us this holy sacrament and commanded us to continue in it until he comes again. Why do we eat bread at this table? On the night before he died, Christ took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Why do we drink cup from the... Why do we drink from the cup at this table? The same night Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. What do we remember at this table? We remember God's gracious love for us, Christ's death and resurrection for us and the Spirit's tender care for us. Well, I invite our servers to come on up. Um, as the servers are coming up, uh, we will have you come down the aisles and receive communion. Um, if, if Christ is not someone you are following, if, if, if these things are not true for you, we are so happy that you are here, and we invite you to take a moment to prayerfully reflect what these elements are communicating about who he is and what he has done for us.
the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. The blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink. Let me lift a prayer of thanksgiving for us. Gracious, merciful God, Lord, in the midst of your redeeming work in our lives, you promise to nourish us by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the gift of grace that you extend to us here now at your table. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand with us now and we'll sing together.
the shadow of betrayal, Matthew 26, 20 through 25. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to question him one after another, is it I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so.
stand with us now and let's sing together. One final word before our benediction, our blessing. As we continue this story, Christ is going to enter into our bitterness, into the most bitter place, death itself. And as he enters into this darkness, we invite you to come back on Friday to join us for our Good Friday service. Now receive this blessing. May the God who sees our pain, our longings, and our bitterness, may he draw near to you and give you the strength that can only come from his grace and mercy and love. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ.